This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. All right, back to the show. We've had a good show as we begin uh, 2022. Uh, This is my first show of this year, and it's probably my 10th year of doing shows or more, maybe 12. I don't know. And um, so thank you to all of our listeners of Real Presence Live on your upper Midwest Real Presence radio network. And by God's grace, this network continues to grow. Literally, we're live today from Wisconsin to Wyoming, up from uh, north of uh, Williston into Canada, down to Iowa, big chunk of the upper Midwest, all listener supported, all growing by God's grace. Thank you for listening to this show as we begin the new year. 2022 on January 6th, Thursday, after Epiphany or Epiphany, as we celebrated the 12th night last night. And so I'm delighted to to have as my last guest on this first 2020 All-Star show, I've called it, Father Dwight Longenecker. He's the author of a book I'm holding in my hands right now, the book Mystery of the Magi. The Quest to Identify the Three Wise Men. And uh, th- th- I've been looking forward to this uh, since, we, since we found out he'll, he'll be on the show. He's calling in. Father, uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, f- tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I was brought up in an evangelical home in Pennsylvania, and um, then after college, went over to study. I became an Anglican while I was at college, Church of England. Went over to study in England and became an Anglican priest before, in 1995, coming into the Catholic Church. Then 10 years later, I was ordained as a Catholic priest and came back to the United States. You are... And I serve as the pastor at Our Lady of the Rosary Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Do you know Father Scott Newman? Oh, he's a good friend of mine. I was just on the phone with him two minutes ago. Say hi to him. We we studied together at the North American in Rome. Uh, you you have right. a, a wife named Allison. You have four children, correct? Yes, I was ordained uh, under the pastoral provision, which is the provision, provision Rome made for mar- married former Anglican and sometimes former Lutheran pastors. You also have a lab named Anna and a cat named Joseph. Is my research right? Uh, well, the cat, the, the, um, both of them have, are, are now gone, but okay. we do have another dog named, and yes, another dog named Felicity. Okay. Well, uh, it's still, I, I'm happy to have you. Um, I, I wanted to discuss the Magi. Um, I gave all the homilies this past weekend on the Feast of the Epiphany. Your book, entitled Mystery of the Magi, The Quest to Identify the Three Wise Men, um, is, is, is a good read. You, you say, Father, that uh, regarding the story of the Magi, you said this matters because history matters, and history matters because truth matters. Now, I, I only have you for, uh, for 30 minutes until the top of the hour. And so I, I just kind of want to break some themes that I think are important. First of all, th- this route of the Magi in, in, in your book here um, is, is uh, can, I, can, can I use this uh, in, in the first couple pages? Sure. 
Okay, so so Therese, if we could just put that put put that online because we have from Petra to Jerusalem, down to Bethlehem, up to Damascus. Father here has written this book um, about um, identifying the three wise men. Who are they historically? What is accurate and what 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 isn't? My first question for you, Father, and it's it, you know we we had the story of the walking Hello? on water. Yes, are you there? Father, are you there? Do we do we lose do we lose Father Langenecker? All right. We 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 had uh yesterday the gospel of uh, Jesus walking on the water, which is found in all four gospels. Hello? Regard, regarding the magi, we are found only in the gospel of Matthew, and I think we probably lost Father. So we're going to we're going to uh that's, that's, we'll, we'll get him back, Eli. I, I, I can certainly uh, talk about what, what we're going to visit with him about. But as we read from the Gospel of Luke, when we heard our Christmas story, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, we heard how the shepherds left their flocks to adore Christ, and they were guided by the words of an angel. Uh, in, in our Feast of the Epiphany, we read how the Magi left their countries to adore Christ. They are guided by the light of a star. And so the, the, the star is mentioned twice in Matthew's Gospel. It's mentioned eight times, even in, through the prayers of the, the Epiphany. And so, Father... As as we look at the Magi in the Gospel of Matthew, um, are they real? What do you mean by real is the question we have to ask. Are they kings? Well, first of all, let's talk about the question of real. We have to distinguish when we're looking at history between um, actual, literal, historical figures and figures who may be... Um, communicate truth to us, but may not be um, actual, real, historical people. And uh, a lot of biblical scholars believe that the story of the Magi is really just a fantastic fairy tale that was made up in order to make Jesus seem more special. Uh, I take the view that the, that the story is actually rooted in real historical events, um, which took place at the during the time of our Lord. However, over the years, this story was elaborated and attracted a lot of legendary aspects to it. And this is the version which most of us believe or, or think is true today. In fact, in the book, I go through and peel away all of the extras that have accumulated around the story and try to get back to just what Matthew said and see how that is rooted in the real ge geographical and political and economic facts of the time. Uh, your, your epilogue... Um, is is a nice summary, and, and I, as a Catholic priest, which is practical, you've put a lot of the uh, uh, summary in the context of, of of preaching, and so the the first question you mentioned in the epilogue is the 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 number and royal status of the Magi. Um, could you answer that, Father? Yes, Matthew never says that there are three of them, and never says that they are kings. He says Magi came from the East, and he doesn't specify the number or their royal status. However, the early preachers in the Church in the first few centuries, of course, connected the Magi story with the prophecies in Isaiah chapter 60 and Psalm 72, the passages which we all would have read at the celebration of the Epiphany this Sunday. And in those passages, 
the prophet Isaiah is talking about the kings of Sheba and Seba will come, and the kings of Tarshish and the Isles will come to pay homage to this Messiah figure. And therefore, the early fathers of the Church concluded that the Magi were kings. Um, I make the point that I don't think they were actually kings themselves, but I think they were diplomatic representatives of the royal house of Nabatea, which is which was the kingdom just to the east of Judea, of King Herod. So they had a royal connection, and they were sent by kings, but they were not actually kings themselves. The early fathers also said there were three of them because of the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. However, in some of the other early apocryphal writings, those are extra-scriptural writings from the early church, some of the versions had as many as 12 of, of the Magi. Some said seven, some said eight, some said 12, um, and the tradition is settled on three. Father Dwight Longenecker is my guest. We're talking about his book entitled Mystery of the Magi. You can find it anywhere on long, online. Longenecker, L-O-N-G-E-N-E-C-K-E-R. And I'm, I'm happy to, to have him on, especially uh, on this feast day of the Epiphany, January 6th, or as we celebrated it here in the United States last Sunday. Father, can we move to the star? You, you said on page 111 that the apparent movement and the complexity of various astral phenomena make the star of Bethlehem the most intriguing aspect of the Magi story. Uh, what do we need to know about the star of Bethlehem? Well, again, the story as, we, as it sort of comes down to us today, through Christmas carols and Christmas cards and Christmas legends, is that, the, is that the Magi followed a magical star through the night sky, which led them step by step across the desert until they found the Christ child. In fact, Matthew never says that. He says, they, he says that the wise men said they saw his star rising in the east, and that uh, students of astrology believe that that is an indication that these were astrologers who actually charted the movements of the planets and that this is referring to particular um, astrological phenomenon of the movement of a planet in the night sky. Stars themselves don't move. Planets move. And in the ancient world, they equated planets with stars. In other words, the planets seemed to be certain stars that were moving. Um, We know planets move, but stars don't. And so, therefore, the story of the magical star which led them step by step across the desert sands is something which comes to us from the apocryphal writings about the Magi from really only the 4th or 5th century. And those writings came from Gnostic sources, not Christian sources, who were making up... That's where the fantastic fairy tales about the Magi come from, not from the Gospel of Matthew. Can can we uh, look back, um, for example, when there may have been some... um, fantastic things going on in the sky, like on April 17th, 6 BC, um, when you had uh, the Sun, Jupiter, and the Moon, and Saturn aligned in Aries, uh, while Venus and Mars were in na- neighboring constellations. Does that ma- Do you subscribe yes. to that? Yes. Well, the thing is, with modern technology, we now, astronomers can now study the night sky through their computers at any location, at any date in history. This has been a wonderful um, gift for astronomers and, uh, and historians because, yes, we can now look at the night sky um, through the computers and see what it looked like over Jerusalem uh, and over Babylon and over the ancient Middle East 
in the years around Christ's birth. The problem with trying to identify the particular star, and I bring this out of my book, is that there are really quite a few different astral phenomena that are going. There's asteroids, um, there's uh, comets, uh, there's the astrological movement of the planets, and therefore there's about 10 or 15 different theories about what the star actually was. All of them have their um, uh, believable points, which makes it sound credible. All of them also have um, problems with the theory. And, the, and there's numerous books about what the Star of Bethlehem actually was, numerous theories, all of them very interesting, but none of them, in, in my opinion, absolutely watertight convincing. And I, except, for my conclusion, except for my conclusion that the Star of Bethlehem was a combination of different astral phenomena, the astrological signs, but also probably uh, the conjunction of a comet or, or something like that, which also took place. And but before BC, correct? So so the the six uh, the, the six BC astrophenomena uh, could be more accurate because Jesus was born during the reign of King Herod, and King Herod died in four BC, correct? Well, there again, we get into another co- a complicated controversy because there's a controversy about when Herod actually died and when Jesus, therefore, Jesus was born. We know that by the time Jesus was born, Herod was an old man and that he died somewhere around 4 B.C., maybe the year 0, maybe 1 A.D. Um, and there's controversy about the date of Herod's death because, again, it's linked with astral phenomenon. And the astral phenomenon have to do with, I believe, a lunar eclipse which took place in the year that Herod died. And we know that from the historian Josephus. However, again... There's numerous lunar eclipses in numerous years there, and it's difficult to pinpoint exactly which one it was. So some people argue that Herod died on, I think, 4 B.C. I forget the dates exactly, and some argue that he died a little bit later. This, therefore, influences, of course, the date of the birth of Jesus. So that, too, is in debate, and there's lots of intriguing arguments back and forth, and um, I think it's... I think the date that I settled on in my book uh, having done some further research, might actually I might have to change my mind about that. <laughs> we're coming up on forty minute, uh, forty eight minutes past the hour, Eli. We're going to skip the break as we come to the top of the hour. I'm enjoying this too much. I'm uh, interviewing Father uh, Dwight Longenecker. The, the book is called The Mystery of the Magi. Um, we've talked about the royal status and the number of them. We've talked about the star, Father. I wish I could have you on for three hours, Father. Th- th- let's talk about the the wise men, the magi, representing the Gentiles. The, the, the shepherds represented the Jews adoring Christ, and then the magi, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Now Christ is is manifest to the to the entire world. Uh, what what is the historicity of that? Well, um, again, the legends drew on this, so that by the time we have the Middle Ages, you have this idea that one of the kings came from China, another one followed his own star from Africa, and another one followed his own star from Babylon, and they all mysteriously met in Bethlehem after they followed their own stars. Again, this is part of the fantastic legend that grew up about the Magi. However, the idea that the Magi represent the Gentiles is certainly accurate, inasmuch as my theory says that they came from Nabatea, which is the Arabian Peninsula. Now, the Nabataeans were um, a wonderful trading nation at the time of our Lord's birth. They 
basically, if you can think of your geography, they took goods that came on the ships across the Indian Ocean from India and China, loaded them onto camel caravans, and went west across the Arabian Desert to the Mediterranean port of Gaza, where they unloaded them onto ships and then distributed them out across the rest of the Roman Empire, which means right up into Gaul, that's France, right up into Britain and Spain. And so these traders were great world travelers. They were bringing goods also, not only from east to west, but also with trade routes down into Africa and then coming north up into Judea, into Syria, present-day Jordan, and up into the uh, Asia Minor and the rest of Eastern Europe. So they were great travelers, and therefore they are my representatives for um, representing all the nations of the world, because they, they were traveling literally from Spain to India and from Africa to Asia Minor and, and further. We're talking about the routes of the Magi. It, it, it is. It, this, this is fascinating. Your proposed routes of the Magi, uh, Father, you, you, you've let us post this, this map uh, so people can get the book. But, but they, they started in Petra, went to Jerusalem, correct? Then to Bethlehem. And, and then you have them returning, as the Gospel says, by another way, uh, up to Damascus? Yeah. Um, again... The legend that we have is that they went on a very long desert journey um, from probably Persia or India or someplace like that. Um, my theory is they actually came from Petra, which is really um, only about a three-day journey from Jerusalem, and they would have traveled on well-traveled trade routes, well-traveled roads, and that they probably rode Arabian horses instead of camels. Um, they might have used camels for their pack animals, but they probably rode on Arabian horses, um, which is which was one of their sort of main cash crops. They bred Arabian horses, and so they rode on horses. The horses were the luxury accommodation, the luxury travel. Um, and, yeah, they, they, they would have traveled a comparatively short distance west um, into Judea and then north to Jerusalem to visit Herod and then going five or six miles south to Bethlehem. If you There is an ancient site on the road from Bethlehem uh, north of the Dead Sea, back into Jordan territory, uh, where there's a monastery which is reputedly built on the site of a cave where the Magi rested on their journey home. So my theory is that they went uh, home to what is present-day Jordan, that would have been Nabatea, uh, north of the Dead Sea, and then took the, the road northwards to Damascus, which was also had been in Nabataean control, but during that time period of the Magi, was under the control of the Romans. So they would have been safe there, but they were still in technically their own country. How old was our Lord when they were visited, when they visited him? Well, the word in Matthew's Gospel is translated the young child, and it's the word which is used for a toddler. So we're, we, we conclude, therefore, that the Magi did not turn up on Christmas Eve, the way all the stories in the Christmas carols tell us alongside the shepherds. Instead, they arrived um, a bit later. We don't know how much later, maybe a year or two later. A lot of scholars think um, about a year or two later because Herod sent for all of the children two years old and, and uh, two years and, old and younger to be slaughtered. And what is the historicity of the acquisition of the gifts they presented, Father? Well, the gifts they presented, we know from uh, the study of ancient history that gold, frankincense, and myrrh were luxurious items which were very often offered as 
uh, royal gifts of homage from one nation to another. We know, for instance, that when one nation was uh, threatened by another nation, the king would very often send emissaries with gifts to the, con- the, the, the one who threatened to conquer him, offering gifts, basically saying, look, don't come and invade our country. Here's the, here's the payoff. They also um, sent uh, diplomatic um, visits from one kingdom to another at, for uh, special events like wedding, a royal wedding or royal birth, the birth of a royal heir. So my theory is that the neighboring kingdom of Nabatea in present-day Jordan, the king there named Aretas IV, heard from his magi wise men who were astrologers that there was a newborn king of the Jews. He therefore assumed that his neighbor, King Herod, had just had a grandson born to him. And so he sent his emissaries with these rich gifts from one kingdom to another, saying congratulations on the birth of your newborn grandson, the newborn king of the Jews, because Herod was called the king of the Jews, remember. Um, And therefore, um, here are these rich gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, the reason they're important in identifying the wise men is the finest gold in the ancient world was actually mined in uh, the Arabian Peninsula. And incense and myrrh comes from the sap from bushes that only grow in eastern Arabia and North Africa, northeast Africa, territory controlled by the Nabataeans. So gold, frankincense, and myrrh, to put a the short version, gold, frankincense, and myrrh were the cash crops of the Nabataeans. They were therefore, therefore presenting gifts that, to Herod, which were representative of their kingdom. Finally, Father, and this is fascinating, and you can listen to all of this again on our podcast, yourcatholicradiostation.com, uh, Real Presence Radio Network. Um, the the, the um, belief um, that uh, Mary gives the wise men uh, our Lord's swaddling clothes as a blessing, and the Zoroastrians who uh, were said to... Um, worship fire, their return, they threw them into the fire. What is all of that about? Again, this is touching, touching on some of the fantastic legends that grew up about the Magi, mostly in the area of Syria uh, and uh, formerly Persia, Babylon, that's a present-day Iran and Iraq. Zoroastrian was the, Zoroastrianism was the ancient religion of that area, and of course it was uh, a religion of uh, magic. It was a Gnostic religion of magic and shamanism and su- the supernatural. They loved the idea of the Magi because here are some magicians and astrologers who were their people, and therefore they wrote some extra fantastic, um, extra biblical um, infancy narratives about the about the, the Magi. And one of them was influenced by Zoroastrianism, where they worshipped the fire, and their story was that after they followed the magical star across the desert stands, the Blessed Virgin gave the swaddling clothes to them, and they brought them back and used it to and used it put it as a relic in, the sh- in their, their their shrine to the, to, to the sacred fire. What it inspired you? It has nothing you? to do with Matthew's gospel. It has nothing to do with Matthew's gospel, and nothing to, nothing to do with the reality. Father Dwight. Longenecker is my guest. Uh, we're talking about his fantastic book entitled Mystery of the Magi. What inspired you, Father, to write this fantastic book? Well, I was, I was actually asked a couple of years before to write an article about the identity of the Magi. And I thought, you know, the typical story is, oh, they came from Persia. And there's good reasons for thinking that, and I outlined it in my book. 
what I went through and said, well, what if the prophecies in the Old Testament were actually true? And that tells us where they came from. And the prophecy in Isaiah, in Isaiah 60 and in, in Psalm 72, talks about uh, the kings of Ephah and Midian and Sheba will come. And so I looked, I looked up where was Ephah, Midian, and Sheba. Now, we remember Midian from the story of Moses because he was the shepherd in the, in, with the Midianites, which is in uh, southwest Arabia. Ephah was another uh, tribe from a nomadic tribe in, Eph, in, in the Arabian Peninsula. And Sheba, of course, is from eastern Arabia and Yemen. Uh, and remember, the queen of Sheba comes and pays homage to Solomon, again, bringing rich gifts. And so... Um, the prophecies from the Old Testament actually put me on the trail of where they came from. And I then said, well, who was there in that same territory during the time of our Lord's birth? And it turned out to be the Nabataeans. And the Nabataeans are a fascinating people about which we know very little because they didn't keep written records. But we do, do, do know a fair bit about them, and I did the research and said, these are the ones who must have been the, um, must have been the Magi. And that is kind of the key thing here when Isaiah speaks of Midian, Ephah, and Sheba, as you write on page 163. These three kingdoms could well stand for the three cultural influence that come together in the Nabataean culture. Yeah. Um, the the, the uh, Ephah are the uh, traditional nomadic tribes of, um, of the Arabian Peninsula. The other uh, two aspects... Of, of Nab- that comes together in the Nabataean culture are the Babylonians uh, and the Jewish emig- uh, emigrants. After ba- after Babylon destroyed um, Jerusalem in 586 BC, the Jews were dispersed not only to Babylon but through Bab- into Babylon-controlled territory, of which the Arabian Peninsula was a very important part. Father, thank you for being on Real Presence Live. Father Dwight Longenecker, The Mystery of the Magi, a great way to end my show on January 6th. Happy New Year, everybody. The Mystery of the Magi, Father Dwight Longenecker. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network.